Hello, everyone, and welcome to part two of our top ten movies that we love in no particular order. These are just movies that we love, and um, yeah, you heard the spiel in the first one, so getting directly into it. We are your rejects. I'm Forrest. I'm Ian. And I am Jacob. And we're diving straight into this. And we are going to dive straight into it now because I forgot to right do that part. Because <laughs> I haven't done an intro in a long time, and I apologize for that. All right. He's shaking in his pantaloons. I always shake. It's my mm. secret, Captain. Constant anxiety all the time. <laughs> you gotta remember, though, if you shake it more than once, you're just playing with it. Spasm in the chasm. Correct. So, my <laughs> my first pick for part two is going to be Princess Bride from 1987. Yeah. From uh, Rob Reiner. And I, I feel like there's not much that I can say that hasn't already been said. That hasn't already been said about this film. It's just one that fills me with such happiness, such joy. I, I rewatched it again. I think a couple weeks back, and it just filled me with glee the entire time. I had a big old smirk on my face, and you know, mowage and all of that. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's one that I love so, so much. I think it's one of those movies that is. Probably up there on the list of most quotable movies. Oh, by far. Throughout a quote, agree. I would assume that the majority of the people in your current room are going to turn around and either spew that back at you or have some other line from the movie. Yeah, and it's got <clears throat> it's got like a little bit of everything you want. It's funny. It's got there's a romance story. There's some f- fantasy elements. There's some there's a wrestler, yeah. Andre the Giant. Yeah, like good old Andre. Who knew? Like, and I. Uh, like this was the first role that I had seen him in. Who knew he was actually a decent actor? And Fred Savage. <laughs> yeah, and Fred Savage again. That wasn't Little Monsters. Oh boy, he was, it still revolved around a bed, though. Yeah, there's a theme there with his roles. Beds, beds, beds. Very interesting. Beds. Anyway, love <laughs> the movie. It's fantastic. It's also just, I love. The cheesiness of it, too, at points. You know, one of the things I always think of is uh, when they go into the uh, Enchanted Swamp Forest and they get attacked by the gigantic rat. It's like so... The rats of unusual size. Yeah, the rats of unusual size. Just so horribly goofy and amazing, and I love it. It's one of those movies... Oh, yeah, the eels, too. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it kind of dissects that fantasy adventure trope and turns it on its head, but does it in very unique, funny ways and... It's it's a good movie, yeah. Bye. And there's a satisfying love little it. revenge story in there too. Yeah, like I just I love it. Um, and my father prepared to die. Prepared to die. And Billy Crystal's like almost unrecognizable in that movie. Ooh, that went over my head. I didn't know that was Billy Crystal. That was Billy Crystal, the old the old dude that that helped him. The the, the nose. Yeah, yeah. That was Billy Crystal. Oh shit. Yeah, unrecognizable. Huh. Yeah. It's the nose. It is the nose. It's definitely the nose. But that is my pick. Learn All something right. every day. Yeah. Um, so, if anyone out there is counting, this would be the third musical on my list of ten. This will be the last musical. But this being Hedwig and the Angry Inch, um, directed by John Cameron, not James Cameron, 2001, uh, the newest movie that I have. And this movie is somewhat similar to Rocky Horror Picture Show where it is a celebration of sexuality and what that means to an individual. It is put in a different light um, and 
I feel like if you already know this movie, you know the message and how important it is to a certain culture out there. Um, funny enough with this movie, it's it's basically about a, a rocker who is going through some things. And uh, it's during the, the time of the Berlin Wall. Um, has a sex change operation for reasons to get to America. Um, gets betrayed man after man. And this individual doesn't really know if it's man or female. Um, is in a punk rock band. And that's as much as I would like to share. If, if that sounds interesting to you, go for it. The music is amazing. The message is interesting. There's a, there's a lot of innuendos, and um, it, it picks and picks at certain messages that may make people uncomfortable. But once again, it's a great movie, has a great, wonderful message. And funny enough with this film, I originally wanted to do a review on it with the rejects. <laughs> I showed it to him. As soon as the movie ended, I looked over across and looked at Jacob and Ian, and their faces were just hard to read. Um, and then I realized maybe this isn't the film for everyone. I love this film. Would I show it to everyone? No. Do, does everyone have a connection to it like I do? Probably not. Um, yeah, I, I, I didn't think it was a bad film by any means. I just... It was hard for me to grasp everything that was going on, I think. And honestly, the most disappointing thing for me is that it wasn't a Harry Potter spinoff. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, like I, it, it's not a it's not a bad film. I don't also I also don't think it's a great film by any means. The yeah. music is really good. Yeah. I will give it that. I think I think the acting is also really good. I just Forrest is right. It's not going to be one that resonates with everyone, but that's okay. It's not a bad thing that it yeah. doesn't that it doesn't resonate with us. It's a movie with a specific message. If that message does not correlate with you, it's not your movie. So just kind of touching off of what Jacob was saying as well. It's kind of my reaction to the film is the film was very fascinating to me um i was very it was it was a very i didn't get everything in it like jacob said too there was a lot especially nearing the end um when when hedwig does like the last rock concert and everything is a little metaphysical it it got weird but it got weird in the way that yeah weirder but you know i was i was on board with the weirdness and then it kind of got to a point where i'm like all right i think i understand but i kind of lost the movie i think the biggest issue i had with the movie is i recommend this film too um, I think the thing for me was, which is why we didn't end up talking about this film in season one, is I felt like because we're dancing around a lot of stuff, there's if you say too much about the film in a review, I feel like it ruins the film. And it was a little bit, it was kind of a more difficult film to talk about without completely blowing your entire load on the film. And then it's like, you know, no one's going to watch that at that point. So that was kind yeah. of my attitude of it, at least. It, it reminded me of um, the uh, the best way I can describe it is like one of those artsy films. I I, yes. I compare it to like um, across it's the universe, definitely an art house, yeah, sure, like flavored a, film, like across the universe. Have you seen that one? Yeah, of course. The very it's very visually stunning. Mm-hmm. It's there's a lot of um, messages that if you are, I I feel like it's one you need to mo- watch watch more than once to completely pick up on everything. But if it doesn't, it like instantly resonate with you like it did with you which is a great thing, but then if you're not going to go back and watch it, I feel like there's just a lot of stuff you're going to miss, and I feel like that kind of is the case for myself. I can't necessarily speak for Ian, but that was the case for me. It There were a couple things that I thought were really good about it, but 
I can understand why it's definitely yeah, on your list. Definitely. I can I can totally understand though. Once again, I can get behind the message, and I love to sing to the songs in the shower. So it's my kind of movie. Fantastic. Well, circling over to very forced movies, and we're heading straight into the territory of Ian and his very Ian movies, and we're doing a hard shift into straight action and uh, you know amazing, ridiculous, over the top um, action scenes. So um, this is, in my opinion, um, for my sixth pick. Um, this is what I feel as the the best um, kind of pro-feminist movie in a lot of ways, too, in modern cinema, and probably the best pro-feminist movie um, since, uh, since another movie, which we'll talk about later on, and um, that is Mad Max Fury Road. So when I think of films that restore my faith in modern cinema today, this is it's this film, 100%, 2015, uh, directed by George Miller. If you haven't seen any of the other Mad, Fact, Mad Max films out there, you, you don't need to, to watch this film. Um, and I just kind of laugh a little bit whenever people talk about, you know, well, well you know, it's called Mad Max, but he, Mad Max is not a primary character, and he says nothing in the film. I'm like, yeah. And have you seen a Mad Max film? Um, just excluding the first, I feel like the first. Kind the of first is kind of its own beast, though a little bit. They're all definitely worth a watch. Um, this is definitely the best action movie in history for me, hands down. And I, I'm so sorry, Road Warrior, which is Mad Max. So I'm, I'm so sorry, but Mad Max for Road is Road Warrior on on steroids. It's just such a fucking good film. And I think maybe a good way to represent the mad max franchises it's almost like an anthology series sure but the vehicle is a character once again the character not being the main point just he goes along his road and he he encounters another story and then we follow that story to its end the first movie was definitely his origin story or at least it was more focused on him and his reaction it was a revenge story to a t the second one was him interacting a group of people and what they're doing with their current sieged encounter the third one is the most hollywood yeah it's it's a hollywood one. film tina turner with her own musical ballad and master and blaster and kids in the deserts hey, that one's okay it's just a hollywood film it's the weakest of the four mm-hmm. i think and yeah and then this fourth one is an absolutely amazing amazing film and i've heard that it was originally supposed to be done in black and chrome of which i have a copy of have not watched it yet but it's interesting that it is supposed to be viewed in black and chrome but the film itself is exceptionally gorgeous and it's also odd in a second point because the majority of this film is in the desert there's a lot of orange and yellows and like smoke and metal and that's that's it but it is so gorgeous to look at. And then you're like, oh, it's supposed to be even more stripped of color? I want to see how that looks, how that that represents the film. And another thing to note, the director, he is a um, doctor, a retired physician, and he's like in his 70s, going on 80s, and this dude made a kick-ass action film. Well, George George Miller, I I just, I'll I'll just say this and then I'll move on, is, is... I love the fact that George Miller's like, oh, all this crap is coming out, and I'm going to revitalize this franchise that I haven't done since the 80s. Hold my beer, Hollywood. Watch me kick your ass. And that just makes me love this film all the more. Blow them out of the fucking water. I just, I have a <clears throat> fun side story. Um, So when I, I didn't see this film, uh, movie in uh, theaters, 
but I did see it right like right when it came out on a video and I believe my roommate at the time had bought it and we were watching it and it also happened to coincide when I had just gotten a new kitty and I was trying to come up with a name for him and he just he had this constant resting bitch face mm-hmm. and I'm like god he just looks mad all the time and I'm like oh look at what we're watching and my cat is named Max because of that movie because he has a resting bitch face he looks like he's mad all the time his full name is Mad Max Obviously, I just call him Max, but this film holds a special place in my heart, too, because I named Makato after him. So so when he's staring off into the space, he's monologuing, my name is Max. My world is fire. Um, He thinks his world is fire. He's a spoiled brat. He's a cat. Of course he does. Um, There's been lots of stuff talked about this film. I'm not going to go into detail. If you haven't seen it, just go see it. I mean, I just... I don't want to tread over ground that probably every single person in the world has talked about that concerns them as a film critic. I'm just going to touch on the points that I really, really care about this film. First off, I really love Charlize Theron as an actress. Um, she's one of my favorite actresses in modern cinema. She does this role so great. And, and this film is a perfect example of how you can take the most simple, bare-bones story with the least amount of dialogue. I mean, it's like almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Terminator diet level of dialogue, right? And and it doesn't matter. The film tells the story through visuals. It's just a it's a it's a it's a long action scene movie. Yeah, it's just a and big you old never chase. get bored of it. Yeah, it's just a chase scene, and the practical effects, the editing, the colors, like Forrest was talking about. It's just it's so wonderful. And this is one of those films that I literally have watched this film back to back three times in a row once. Granted, in the background, but it, it just it holds my attention so much to this day. I never get tired of this film. Great. Right on. Alrighty. So, going on to my next film. It is going to be The Green Mile from 1999. It is a Frank Darabont film. And it's um, it's based on a Stephen King novel, mm-hmm. obviously. I can't remember if it's a full novel or the short or a short story. It's one of his, like, less... Less. Um, I think it's supposed to be a short story. Actually, was it? I think it's in one of his anthology books. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not like it's not your stereotypical Stephen King, where it's just straight up weird horror. There's, it. It's. I wouldn't even call it horror. There's. There's some like fantasy elements to it. A supernatural. It's folk really tale. more like a supernatural tragedy, at least from what yeah, I remember the film. That's it's been a while. That's actually a perfect description, and I think. Um, I think the acting chops within it are all fucking top tier tom hanks is really good um i can't remember the um the gentleman who plays um oh my god his name is escaping me right now but the gentleman who plays probably the saddest character the one who the 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 main character that has the gift yes correct the character with the gift um he's fantastic in the film um i think it I, i love any movie that can incorporate some like supernaturally elements in with a really compelling like drama Mm -hmm. and that has you basically rooting for a guy who at first you think is a criminal he's this big brooding character who you think is terrifying but he's just the softest the softest sweetest guy he's not soft but he is the sweetest guy that Mm -hmm. you will ever meet wouldn't hurt like he um yeah, he just he wouldn't hurt a fly. He, help, he even helps one of Tom Hanks' character in it. It's just a uh, solid film. The film definitely speaks for a lot of the, the actors' acting chops in this because mm-hmm. it was mainly in just in one location, uh, the prison, and it's just dialogue. 
It's yeah. it's a good film, and if anyone says they didn't cry near the end, or at least some time during the film, then they're fucking lying. Oh, absolutely. I when I I or believe, they're soulless. I I've, mean, whatever floats the boat sold their soul for a Klondike bar. I mean, I saw it as a child, and I distinctly remember crying. Why? Why did the guy? Oh yeah, no, it's a very rough film to watch. And answer to your question, Jacob, it's Michael Clark Duncan. Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, yeah. He has since passed away. He passed yes. away in the either late to mid two thousands, actually. But um, fantastic actor, and I think he he did that role a lot of justice. It was a great role, and the the line that still gets to me is the don't cover my eyes boss i'm scared of the dark Mm -hmm. and it's like so the the shot is you don't actually see him dying but you're watching the reaction of everyone that has to see him being electrocuted without the hood over his head and i think that that i just think that that scene is very uh very telling and just very makes your heart pump well, I think that, that that specific scene you're talking about, and this is kind of across many movies, as you know, like uh, there's there's many movies that we're all fans of, I think, that that introduce something that happens in it that's very difficult to watch. Like, let's just say, for the example of a kid gets murdered or, or a rape scene or, or you know, this, this man getting killed. And I think that there's a very big, powerful thing associated with films where you know it's happening, but you don't see it. Yeah. And it makes it all the more real for you as a viewer. And it also doesn't take it to that point where I feel like if they had shown that, they'd actually seen him like on screen getting mm-hmm. electrocuted and killed. I feel like that would have been a DQ for many people. And and I would agree with that. So I think that that's a very interest. That's a very important point to bring up in cinema is you don't have to show something to make it have its impact on it. In fact, you mm-hmm. probably shouldn't show it sometimes. Well, the story of it, like because they know because we as viewers know he's innocent. You see how sympathetic of a character he is. Um, <laughs> open that Snap. beer. Yes, <laughs> I, I, need, beer. I need to drink that beer. Um, but you, <clears throat> so you're, you're taken along for this ride of. And you just get to see the the development of his character. You get to see who he really is. You get to see he's not this big brooding bad guy. And you, you're you seeing him get killed. Or, or, well, you're seeing him in the process of about to get killed for a crime he did not commit. And I think that that story, like that, that story mixed with the reaction of the people that are watching it is enough. We don't need to see him getting killed for it. Like... You're right. That would just be kind of over overboard. That would be overload at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I just think the film does the film does storytelling very well, and I think it's one of the one of the best Stephen King adaptations. Speaking of Stephen King, I didn't. Even, I just thought about bringing this up as well, since we're talking about scenes in cinema you shouldn't show. It's another Stephen King adaptation, um, which did not make my list, so I'm not going to go into too much detail. But the Mist. Mm-hmm. If anyone has has seen that, which was 2005, there's a scene in that too that to me falls under the scene. It's the same category, and I would recommend that film too. It's a very hard film to watch, and you get a very negative reaction at the very end of it. But that ending ties in with kind of what we're talking about here, and I highly recommend it for anyone who's willing to feel miserable but also think about at the end as a great horror film. So I actually haven't seen that one, so I don't know how good of a Stephen King adaptation that oh, that one wonderful. is. It, yeah, it's, it's great. It's great. It's I, another black and white film too, or is supposed to be a black and white film. But anyway, but I think I I think for me the top two are this one and the one that almost made my list, which was Stand by Me. Yeah, sure. I think both of those films are fantastic. Coming of age Stephen King story. adaptation movies, and 
definitely go check out the green mile it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a sit through it's a longer movie sure but i think the acting chops in the story is well enough that you i when i watched it i didn't know like i didn't realize that that much time had passed by i think it i think it's like two and a half hours it's been so long since i've seen it i need to go back and rewatch it it's something in that it's something within that time frame and it's but it's really good so Alrighty. So, um, my number two of part two, hey, hey, number two, would be The Reanimator by Stuart Gordon, 1985, a film that we have talked about already mm-hmm. because we did Fortress, another Stuart Gordon movie, of which we then talked about Jeffrey Coombs. Um, this movie itself and a few other Stuart Gordon movies, or hopefully we will be talking about more in the future, because Stuart Gordon is probably one of my favorite directors right up there with Sam Raimi, um, Quentin Tarantino, uh, John Carpenter, all those directors. He's he's definitely up there for me. And Reanimator is a H.P. Lovecraft film, and a lot of people can definitely argue that when Stuart Gordon does H.P. Lovecraft, he does it well. And I think he has the market cornered when it comes to H.P. Lovecraft movies. I don't think there's a whole lot out there that really come close to the way he's able to tell these stories and the way he envisions them, directs them, and just shows them. Um, This is a wonderful film if you want to laugh, if you want to get some really good gore and visuals, and if you just want to have a shit ton of fun for a very bleak film. It's, It's another one of those films where it's hard to say that the main characters are someone that you can root for, but it's a fun ride. It's it's weird to say that I have a blast watching people inject bodies with this green fluid and reanimating them and killing people and and dead bodies licking nipples and it's it's a wonderful film. Of which I'm going to hand off to Ian because I'm sure he has a lot to say about it too. Because I introduced it to him and it blew his 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 cap off and he loved it. Yeah. So so I don't think Force is really highlighting enough how funny this film is. This this film is a very hilarious film if you get its humor. This is not a you know dumb film. This is not like a gag a minute kind of film. There's not really any like direct comedy lines like you'd expect from like a Dumb and Dumber Ace Ventura, like you know uh, a Jim Carrey f- uh, feature. But the, the line delivery and and the choice of way things are done and the situations are supposed to be very uh, dark comedy based, if you will, which I really like. Um, this film is is infamous among cinema. Like I mean, even if no one's watched the film, everyone probably knows if they've heard of Reanimator. This scene that happens in it i'm not going to get into it it's not important for what we're talking about now um but no i i think this film is great in in so many ways and it's a great film to watch during halloween yeah once again it's a fun little simple story of an individual who's going for his doctorate he uh, comes across another individual who potentially has a serum that can bring people back to life and then hijinks ensue um it's very basic um, but I think a lot of Stuart Gordon movies are. He likes to investigate one small little scope and dig into it rather than dig out, you know? And he he does a very good job of that. Once again, he had a lot of his, um, his comeuppance in 
Broadway, kind of off-Broadway um, production. So this really shows. And I think there's actually a reanimator play now that you can watch. I don't know if you can watch, but I do know that they did do a reanimator play. I know that Stuart Gordon, going back to like we talked about in Fortress, he's a very uh, theatrical director. He has done a, a play version of this as well. I got one little minor fun thing to talk about reanimator. It's kind of like a little interesting factoid, and then I'm not going to say much else. Is just just do it this way. Look up the theme song for reanimator that's played during the opening oh. credits. Yeah, Force is like, oh yeah. If it sounds familiar to you, there's a reason. It's just Psycho. It, it, it's, it's it's literally like listen to Psycho and then listen to Reanimator. And if you don't recognize that it's basically the same theme song, I don't know how they got away with it. Like there's, it, it's so similar. I think there's a few um, videos out there where they play it side by side. That I yeah. listen to one, and there's it's it's like slightly higher pitched. Well, there's some variations, just like how Space Raiders is basically just the B-rolls mm-hmm. of uh, Star Trek II Rathacon, which is a film I need to introduce you guys to, which is a wonderful, horrible B-film, it, but anyway. It's the same thing with like Ice Ice Baby and um, Under Pressure. You change something yeah. just a little bit, <laughs> and it can be considered something completely new. Sure, yeah. Uh, the, the point being that this, they got away with it, and it's an amazing film, and woo! Yeah, it's not, not to the film's detriment, it's just a little fun, fun thing about it. It's good music. Yeah, it's great music. I need to watch it. Yes, you do. So I haven't yes, seen you it. do. Haven't yes, seen it yet. Yes, why aren't you saying anything about it, Ian or Jacob? God, God damn it! Yeah, I'm Ian, Jacob. why aren't you saying anything about it? I'm Jacob. I am Jacob now. We are I'm all. Batman. We are all Jacob. Yes. No, one it, of us. If it's one if it's anything us. like any of the other movies that you've shown me, then I know I'll definitely enjoy it. So I look forward to seeing it. Why did you look at Ian when you said that? I looked at both of you. I'm looking at you now, currently. Mm. So, say that again, but look at me in the eyes. If it's anything like any of the other movies that you have shown me, I'm sure I will love it. Excellent. So all the movies that I've shown you, you've absolutely loved. No. Then why are you lying to me? But the majority of them, I have. Mm. Okay. Moving on to our eighty percent is still a B. <laughs> Yeah, that, hey, that's a pretty good average right there. Just saying. Pretty good batting average. Anyway, I'm sorry, Ian. Go ahead. No, you are good. So uh, Forrest had mentioned one of his favorite, uh, favorite directors is John Carpenter. He is one of mine as well. John Carpenter is definitely in the top five of uh, favorite directors of all time. And if I had to pick a favorite John Carpenter film of all of his, and that's a hard call because he's done a lot of damn good films over the list. And like, it hurt me to get rid of In the Mouth of Madness because that's one of my personal favorites. But it's got to be the thing, folks. Like, if if I think of a film that exemplifies horror, exemplifies practical effects, and exemplifies the concept of paranoia and isolation, it is the thing, hands down. If you haven't seen it, you really got to go see it. I'm not, again, like with so many other films I talk about, I'm not going to go into detail because much ink has been spilled. But this is the all, the only thing I'll say is this is the ultimate in body horror. I'm sorry, David Cronenberg. I love Videodrome. I love Scanners. I love all your stuff. The Fly is great, but uh, you got your ass kicked by the thing in every single way. <laughs> it, yeah, this is the the Wonderland of practical effects. Um, this movie was a remake, um, and then was followed by a sequel in the 2000s, which is absolute garbage please that doesn't don't. exist in my universe in your universe yeah well no. this this universe didn't exist till like what a year and a half ago when i showed it to you you uncultured swine well excuse me <laughs> hey hey just just like that he now loves it i i do i'm just also gonna revel in the fact that i made you 
You made a part it's of alive. me. It's <laughs> alive. Oh boy. I, yeah, there's not too much I can say about this film either. It's an amazing film. We're not critics. We're not going to beat the dead horse already. We're just going to tell you to look at the horse and acknowledge that the horse is dead. The last thing I'd say about this film, which is kind of a personal thing I really like as well, too, is this film kind of touches into some things I like about war films. Like I, we talked about a little bit in Overlord and other war films, since I'm a big buff of that, uh, a film buff of that, is I like the fact that the characters in this film are very real and believable. And if you really think about it, you don't really know a lot about these characters in the thing, and you don't need to. That's not the point. And it's funny for me to say that with me being such a character-driven person. But you know enough about the characters to make them very real and believable and their actions make sense. But you don't have to go into excessive detail about their backstories like some films do. And I, I do like that about the film quite a bit. Yeah. This is another one that I actually need to see. The original I saw, like, it was either the remake or the sequel, whatever it was. And it was man to me. The 2001 yeah, with, with the, the CGI mess. Yeah, whichever one that was. That's, I actually I saw that one because I didn't know that the original one existed until i was older i just haven't gone back to watch it yet but i know kurt russell is in that one right the original and i do love i I love kurt russell so it's definitely one i need to see um and going on to my third film for this episode is the then this one is the yeah (laughs) sorry the pursuit of happiness from 2006 it was directed by gabrielle muccino muccino M-U-C-C-I-N-O. However you would pronounce that, I'm sorry if I butchered it. Um, And this one is probably the most serious, um, one of the more serious ones on my list. Um, I just, I I like a true underdog story. I think it's great to see someone go from absolutely nothing and get the chance to build his family. And I think Will Smith did a great job. And I think his son actually did a great job too. This is probably his son's best (laughs) Best acting, <laughs> acting, uh, chops portrayed here. And what you think this, this is, is better than After Earth? Didn't see it. Don't want to see well, it. Well, he you also did uh, the Karate Kid remake, right? He did. Yes, that was a good one. I loved that one. I have you not liked seen it? it? Yeah, I loved it. It was great. I, I, it was a good little twist. I rewatched that one recently, and it was, it was okay. Sweep the leg. Yes, yeah, sweep the leg. He <laughs> he was good. In it. He was good in that one. I'm just saying. I think for like being as young as he was, I think he did a good job. Uh, he took the direct. Like I saw some behind the scenes stuff for it. And he took a lot of direction from the director. Huh. Um. But Noise. he but he executed it pretty well. I think. I I have not seen this particular film, Pursuit of Happiness. I I remember watching the trailer when I was younger. Um. I remember the one particular scene when he's in the bathroom, he's holding the the door shut, and the mm-hmm. people are trying to get in, and the son's sleeping and he's crying. It seems like a very dramatic and very emotional film. Maybe not a film for me, which is probably why I forgot about it until maybe you just mentioned it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, can't say too much about it besides I, I know of it. I would be maybe interested in it now that I know it is one of your favorite movies. It's I, 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 I This isn't one that I would actually recommend for either of you guys just because it's so... Really? Okay. Well, because it's it's well, not. I'm gonna a, watch it anyhow. Well, that's fine. It's just it's not a it's not something that I feel is within your guys' wheelhouse, and that's fine. This is more of just you, you see someone in a really bad situation. You see it get worse. You see them at their lowest, but you see him work his ass off. You see him try. He, he the the shortness of it is he work he gets an unpaid internship and he just keeps working at it, working at it. He trying to make a better life for him and his son and. 
funny enough, the guy who the movie is based off of has a very small cameo. He doesn't say anything. He just walks by Will character or Will Smith's character after the hmm. really great ending, and he spoiler alert. It's been so long anyway. He gets the job in the end, like so you get the happy ending. But after he gets the job, he's walking out clapping and crying and stuff. And the guy, the actual guy who the movie is based off of, walks by him. And it's just a good movie. That's really wholesome. I like that. It's a it's a very wholesome film. You it gets very depressing. Sure. A good chunk of the film is very depressing because you just see a guy get beat down by life. You see the guy get just held, handed the short stick on just about everything, but he eventually uses all those short sticks to make his own long damn stick, and he fucking oh beats boy, life that with it. Analogy. That was an analogy. And that I was an analogy. I liked it. <laughs> well, I think it really highlights a good point, too, is it's like, you know, we're all great friends. We all have some similarities in the movies we like, and we have a lot of differences, too. And mm-hmm. and I like the fact that we are able to talk about these films that, I mean, I, I'm going to fully admit I have not seen Pursuit of Happiness either, but the way you describe it and everything makes me want to see it as well. And I think mm-hmm. that's kind of the point of the show is we want to get people out to go see these movies, yeah. whether they may agree with our choices or not. It just shows that movies are for everyone and into different tastes. This is um, the only thing I will say is this one is hard for me to continuously rewatch. Sure, it's because it's once you know the story, you know it, and it. Like I said, a good chunk of the movie is you're seeing him at his lowest, so it's very. It can it can grind on your depression if you know if you're susceptible to it. So it's not one that I could watch over and over again like some of these movies like, you know, like I mentioned last episode like Dumb and Dumber I could watch over and over again and just be satisfied all the time. This is one that I could watch maybe bi-yearly and just to remind myself that it's a good movie, but I I still think it's worth worth a watch cuz it's fantastic and Will Smith is a great actor and he did a fantastic job in this film. Excellent. Um, my next pick would be Heathers. Uh, Michael Lehman, uh, 1989, with Wyona Ryder in it. This film, I feel like maybe recently just got overshadowed um, with Mean Girls. This film, <laughs> and I say that because this film falls into the sect of the high school musical. Oh, I was about to say high high school musical. Ew. Jesus, where is my mind? Where is my mind? Um, the point I'm trying to make here, without fumbling over my damn left foot, is there's that that small little genre of high school films where it dissects the mean and the clicks. And the, the the drama in this small little um, just world that high school creates, and in this it takes that '80s flair of dark comedy, and it it just makes this film so real and palpable, and emotional and funny, and has some of my favorite lines in a movie ever, and it's the way it was filmed was supposed to carry on and almost not necessarily encompass the 80s, but unfortunately, in this movie, they wear shoulder pads, so it's really hard to not look like an 80s movie when all the girls are wearing shoulder pads. But why I said that is this film tries to make its own culture for the kids, where they say certain words and phrases that aren't used back in the 80s or 90s or whatever it may be they tried to come up with something that was unique so these phrases were unique to the movie itself making the movie not necessarily um susceptible to being left in the dust 
like old catchphrases and things like that where when you hear them now like, oh no one says that this film tries to come up with its own lines like fuck me cha- gently with a chainsaw or color me rad it, it, it has certain lines that just stick with you like um we're what um killed the dinosaurs uh our, our our love is God. Certain lines that just resonate with you and stay with you in this film is about high school drama, murder, romance, and fucking insanity. And I love it. Yeah, um, this is one that Forrest actually came over and made me watch, and I loved him for it because I actually really ended up liking this movie. Um, I there's only a few comparisons I would make to it to it to mean girls because there's a lot more murder in this film in this film than there is to mean girls um the story other than the high school drama other than the high school romance stuff they are completely different so if you love if you love mean girls tread carefully if you're going into heathers because they are they are different in that aspect i feel but it's a solid 80s movie it's a solid winona writer is always amazing i love her um but oh, and Slater's in this too. Oh yeah, uh, uh, Slater. Um, I forgot his last name. I was just gonna leave it at Slater. I wasn't no, his, expecting his, you to try to his, quiz me on it. <laughs> his last name is Slater. Christian. Christian ah, yeah. Slater is his name. Yeah. Christian Slater plays the love interest. And does a really good job. Really good job. Um, but I feel like this is one that because I had never heard of it. When you when you talk about classic '80s movies, I feel like this one doesn't get mentioned all that much. I, it's a. It's one of I those would, cult. I would argue cult. with that. Well, I just feel like because I, you know, I watch a lot of random YouTube videos, and I, I've seen a lot of the the mentions of a classic '80s movies. And this this one, aside from a couple that I've seen now, doesn't really get mentioned that much. And I feel like that that's a. It, it's unjustly done so. Yeah. Because it deserves Certainly. to be. Because it absolutely deserves to be. So right up our eject rejects list then, essentially. Yeah, correct. Because that's that's what correct. we are here to do. Yeah. And also a fun little note, because earlier I mentioned musicals. This film actually has a musical, and the musical is fantastic. Obviously, it being a theater production off Broadway or on Broadway or whatever it is, so it's not an actual movie. But if you love this movie and you like musicals, go find it. It's sexy. It is really good. I also watched some of the musical, and it was... It was pretty damn good. This film is good, and it's very underrated to me. Good stuff. Uh, I guess we'll move on to uh, my third pick. This is going to be the shortest film we're going to talk about, and the reason being is because, guess what, folks? We've already talked about it. For me, it's it's Overlord, 2019, directed by Julius Avery. Originally, I was going to have Wreck-It Ralph on my list because I love the, the humor and the comedy, and it's just a cute kid's film that's also very fun for adults. But after I kind of went back and looked at my list, I just realized that it's got to be Overlord, guys. It's just that film encompasses so many things I love. And if you haven't listened to our Overlord episode, just just go listen to that. I don't need to tread over ground that we've already talked about. The only other thing I'm going to say about this film is, for the love of God, Hollywood, give Julius Avery a big blockbuster film and let him do his work without influencing him or anything. It's because after watching this film, I'd love to see him do something like that that would be properly... Um, advertised and everything, and, and let, let the man work. And, and the actors, too. I mean, all of the actors and actresses in this film are, are amazing, and, and they need more spotlight. Kurt Russell's son in this, oof. Yeah, Giovanna Depo on, yeah. um, oh gosh. I, Wyatt Russell. Yeah, Wyatt Russell, and then I'm forgetting the gal's name now, and I feel terrible about it. But anyway. I don't remember. Um, yeah. Watch, watch the movie, 
go listen to our episode and then watch the movie again. Yes. <laughs> and then go buy the film. Yes. yes. Support films like that. Please do. And um, so my next one and both of my last films are from 1985, um, which I, side note, I didn't think I liked as many 80 movies, 80s movies as I did which I was surprised at how many ended up on my list. I think it was like three or four, at least for this list specifically. So right on. Um, my next one is going to be The Goonies, obviously from 1985, from Richard Donner. And um, this is another one. Of, these last two are ones that I can't really speak a lot of because they are talked about a lot because they're, so, they're, they're classics for a reason. Um excuse me the goonies is just one of those movies that like the like the uh, princess bride it just fills me with such happiness i think the chemistry between all of the kid characters is really good i like i really love the adult interactions that they have like with the with the three main adults and everything i think their interactions with them are hilarious um one of my favorite scenes is actually when chunk is in the van talking with one of the guys and he starts telling him about his cat it was. Um, oh, they sort of like tell me everything, and he just starts telling me. Yeah, yeah, he starts right? when they're oh, torturing with the with like, the I food push, processor. He's, yeah, he's yeah. like, I pushed my sister down the stairs, and I blamed it on the dog. Like, I, it, it's so, it's such a witty film, and I, especially for kids, like all of the kids did a fantastic job in it. it tells a really interesting story. It makes you want to go out on your own adventure. Um, yeah, it's really. I, I love I love all of these movies. You know, it's really funny too because we had this conversation when we were talking about the Goonies earlier, and it's because I love the Goonies too. The Goonies is great. I mean, it's another great Steven Spielberg production. It's a great eighties film. It's got a great story. It's just a great adventure film in general. Um, although, if I'm thinking of like films that are like the Goonies, my favorite is Sandlot. Myself, right? And and I love Goonies, and to me, it's like you know, picking you know, name your two favorite desserts or something. And, you know, mm-hmm. okay, I, I'll have either. You know, they're both good. I prefer the Sandlot myself because I think it highlights a little bit more of the uh, the friendship side of things, which I, I really enjoy and get behind and them dealing with the whole monster and all that stuff. Um, but The Goonies is more of an adventure film, and I really do love the film for that. So if I were to go off the limb and say, what is your favorite, like, 80s kids coming of age, like, goofy kids on bikes movie would you say yours is sandlight ian and yours is goonies jacob probably yeah yeah it's kind of hard though because sandlot is technically a 90s film it it has the the heart of well it's it's uh, kids on bikes well it's also it's a a 50s film technically it's technically a 50s film in terms of time period and everything but yeah in answer to your question i would say that it'd probably be sandlot Okay. Yeah. yeah, and I love the Sandlot too. Yeah, sure. I just, I just feel I own both films. I own the Sandlot and the Goonies. I just, I resonate a little bit more with the Goonies. Like, sure. I, I love, I love baseball. I love playing baseball specifically. Um, I just resonate with the characters a little bit more in, in the Goonies. I just feel like they're a little bit more of rejects. Not to be punny, I feel like they're a little bit more on the rejected side of things, and I just I, resonate with the characters a little bit better. I, I can't disagree with that by any scope of the imagination. So yeah, your your point is totally valid. Yeah. 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 My favorite kids on bikes film would definitely be Monster Squad. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the one I I watched with you, right? Yes, the that really is, really terrible. No, no, no. Cheesy it's 80s not terrible. Mashup it's film. fantastically it, terrible. Or terribly fantastic, mm. however you want to put it. Yeah. That mo- that film is great. We're, we're jumping back and forth <laughs> yes. here, but Goonies. Woo! Goonies, fantastic. If you haven't seen it, what the hell is the matter with you? 
Go watch it. Lots, apparently. You uncultured swine. Go watch it. So, um, we're going on another double date here. Part one, Ian and I had a a double up film in part two. We also have a double up. This being Aliens, James yes. Cameron, 1986. Ian is probably going to blow off the lid here when I let him just start talking. But once again, this film has been beat to death and i keep saying this over and over again i know ian's gonna say it as well we're not critics we're not gonna go over anything that has not already been talked about touched about about this film but it's an amazing film it's one of my favorites it resonates with me it was one of my favorite horror mill uh, mills we're so horror excited mills? about we're so excited about these movies we can't none of us can talk straight i was just thinking about like general mills cereal because i really want a bowl of just cereal right now i just blame it on the beer i'm drinking Oh boy. Okay. The point being, this is a good film. Please watch it if you haven't already. It's Sigourney Weaver, uh, um, mother themes, action, guts, horror, action, facehuggers. Get your hands off her, you bitch. Oh man, you stole the line. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I didn't. Fine. I didn't know you were going to use that. No, you're fine. It does not take away from the point I was going to make. So the, you're all good. The, the film, the best way to put it is, it's 40 miles of bad road. It's it's a shit after shit is done to these characters, and you really see them as people shine as, as their characters. And once again, I can't say it more than anyone else but it's a good film please watch it what the fuck is wrong with you haven't already we, we insult our our guests a lot i apologize Not i don't <laughs> go watch these fucking movies do it yeah you psychopaths <clears throat> love you so like forrest said there's there's way too much to talk about this film and so much of it has already been said so i'm just gonna highlight some of the reasons why i really love this film so when I think of a movie that I'd label as relentless that never lets up, it would be Mad Max Fury Road, and then it would be Aliens. And probably Aliens would be before Mad Max Fury Road, just because Aliens to this day leaves me feeling uncomfortable throughout the entire film, which is why it's so damn successful. For And I actually prefer the director's cut of this film, even though it adds like another half hour, um, because despite adding that extra content, I don't ever feel at any point that the film is giving you a moment to breathe, aside from maybe like the first 45 minutes of it before they get to LV-426. Um, that's really the only part in the film I feel like you are okay, and even then I'm still a little tense. Um, it's just, it, this film is just so damn good, and I know that a lot of people think it's very cliched with the 80s gung-ho action and everything, but I think that that's important. That's the one thing I want to bring up, as I mentioned earlier in this episode, that Mad Max Fury Road is a great example of one of the best feminist films. That's true, but Aliens did it first, did it better. And it is still, to me, one of the best pro-feminist films without shoving it down your throat. And basically, all I have to say about that is this. Is in a world of muscle action heroes and objectification of women, Sigourney Weaver is giving the entire trope the finger, and knocks it out of the park with one line in particular. Get your hands off her, you bitch. Exactly. And just... This film is great, and and I love James Cameron. He's another one of my top five favorite uh, directors, and I love how much of a perfectionist he is. That's, I mean, he's a very difficult director to work with, and and anyone who knows anything about James Cameron recognizes that. But you know what? The man delivers, and this is a great example of that. Alrighty. Oh, my turn. That's right. Yeah. Um. So my last film for this episode, last but not least by any means, is The Breakfast Club. 
uh, from which is a great choice. Forget about me. Also from 1985, a John Hughes classic. Uh, probably my favorite of the John Hughes films. I think there's yeah, I agree with that. Three or four big ones that were big at the time. But um, Ooh, actually, I might disagree with that. But continue. Um, it's the one again. It's the one that resonated with me the most. Um, and this is the problem with choosing ones that like are that are pretty you know ubiquitous um is that there's not a lot that i can say that hasn't already been beaten mm-hmm. into the ground like forrest has said about this this film um it's another one of those i guess you would call it a coming of age f- film um sure. these these kids get put into tension they're all from a little bit different walks of life but then they start to realize that they're actually not as different as they thought they were and they come together and become closer as people and just the dialogue is really great the um the the chemistry between them is fantastic and the the principal is i i like his character even though he kind of plays an asshole he's he's just uh, he's goofy and i like i like who his character he, is he's a super 80s authority figure which is the point mm-hmm, exactly and i think breakfast club is in the same lineup as heathers as well that that the high school drama it just does Correct. it a little differently it's mm-hmm. more of the like the stage production, everyone's in front of each other, very narrative base rather than more of a, that story base. And, story. It's an, and it's a more isolated film too. This yeah, film takes place over the course of one day or one school day as opposed to like Heather's takes place over multiple mm-hmm. multiple yeah. days. Most certainly. Yeah, it's hard for me because you're saying that this is your favorite John Hughes film and I feel like it would either be this one or it'd be Ferris Bueller's Day Off because... Yeah, that one's tough. Well, Ferris Bueller's Day Off is more of it's more of a fun, goofy comedy. But I, I don't know. I, I like Ferris Bueller's Day Off a little bit more. I love Matthew Broderick. I think he's a great actor during that time period. Mm-hmm. Um, some of his later stuff, maybe not so much, like Godzilla, nineteen ninety-seven. Forrest is cringing over here. But um, that's hard. Actually, I think I don't know. They're like I, I can completely. I can can. Oh my God! See, none of us can talk. I can yes, completely my child. agree that Ferris Bueller's Day Off is also fantastic. It it's hard it's hard narrowing favorite movies down to just ten because Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off would absolutely be on my list. I love that film. Yeah, it's definitely my top fifty. Um, but I I don't know. Like I said, it, it's similar to Goonies and Sandlot. Breakfast Club just resonates a little bit better with me. I can. I can find more of myself within the characters of that movie than I can in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, it's... It's more stylized. Correct. While um, I I feel like the characters are just a little bit more in-depth in Breakfast Club, or at least they eventually do become more in-depth. You figure out more about them. We don't learn a whole shit ton about the characters in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is fine. That's not a... It's not a jab at the film or anything. It's a fantastic film. I just think, yeah, I, I feel like you could. I feel like people can find more of themselves within the Breakfast Club than they can in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Hmm. I can agree with that. It's interesting, is because you, you say that, and, and I agree with you. I, however, personally, I think the reason why I maybe like Ferris Bueller's Day Off is I personally resonate a lot more with Ferris Bueller's friend, and I'm forgetting his name now. But Cameron, Cameron, oh, yeah. thank you. I really resonate a lot with Cameron as a person because I am actually very much a worry ward outside the studio, and I don't like it when things go outside of my control, which Same. is basically what happens to Cameron in the entire movie. So I, I think I definitely like whenever Cameron has like that look of horror on his face. As I'm like, same dude, same. 
Alrighty. Uh, my last film would be Gojira, uh, nineteen fifty four, the the movie that <laughs> is by all means a classic um, and a, a great um, kaiju uh, anthology, not anthology, um, analogy for the, the bomb Hiroshima. Once again, this is going to be one of those films where we're not going to beat that dead horse, but I want to tell a little tiny funny story here. So when I was younger and I got into Godzilla, I I hit the ground running. Like, there's over 30 films in the Godzilla franchise, and I own 28 of them, I believe. Um, and I, I started spending all the money that I had on getting every single Godzilla film that I could because I watched the what I thought was the original 1954 Gajira, what I actually watched was the 1956 American Godzilla King of the Monsters, which was a an American-adapted version of the original, because the original was a film that was important to the Japanese culture because of Hiroshima. What I didn't realize when I was originally watching the Godzilla um, with the American actor of Raymond Burr in it, as the reporter, that this was the almost the reworking because the original message of the film might have been too alarming, or at least the American whoever decided to change this thought it was painting us in a bad picture. So they they reworked it to where it was more of a monster film rather than an analogy story for the bomb. And the, the main character that you follow being an American reporter. And I, I liked that film a lot. So when I then finally ro- watched the original, it blew my mind that I had been living a lie. The history major has to chime in here. That's not surprising me at all. The, the idea of um, having a film come to America and then realize maybe we should not focus as much on the connotations of atomic mm-hmm. war and we should change things to maybe make it more propaganda based gee that doesn't sound like the 1950s in the u.s jumping oh, off of that oh, and that's not the first godzilla film that we fucked up either oh yeah 1980 godzilla film where it was going back to the original roots of just godzilla rather than godzilla versus some other monster from the toho studios is that we also remade that one and then added dr pepper commercials and ads and advertisements it was we keep fucking up godzilla films the u.s doesn't have very good track record with it no we don't with that stupid matthew broderick film that's a lot of fish yeah that's a fucking lot of fish good great observation (laughs) you're mm, fucking stupid that was that movement the the, how much emotion you literally just had right now was fantastic exactly i was gonna i was about to say i wish we had gotten that on video because that was very amazing (laughs) yeah i like godzilla Mm, there you go um america godzilla films are getting better and i'm very excited for what they have to offer but we we should just stop i mean they recently just Toho Studios revisited this and came out with Shin Godzilla, which I think is one of the best Godzilla films to come out in a long time. And I'm hoping they just leave it there. That that's not the case because they just finished up the animated Godzilla films, and I know there's going to be more. There's more American films coming out. So Godzilla is close to my heart, 
um, my house is filled with Godzilla stuff. Uh, my birthday just passed, and a few friends got me Godzilla figurines. So he's important to me as as a, a kid, to a young adult, to a current full-grown forest. What kind of forest? With trees and branches. That hasn't been taken out by Godzilla yet. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Well, moving into films that are uh, my last pick of, and this is going to be probably the most curveball one of everyone who's li- who's uh, listening to this, um, is this was a major childhood film for me. Um, this is a Disney film, and it's not a Disney film I think y'all are going to expect. Um, I love all of Disney. I'm a huge Disney nerd, actually. I don't think I portray that enough in this series because of the content we typically talk about. But also, uh, 1986 is apparently a very good year for me because this is the third film that came out in 1986 for me. Uh, this is The Great Mouse Detective, directed by uh, Bernie Mattinson. Not as important um, just because, you know, with animated films, it's a little bit different the way things work. This was his only film that he directed aside from, I think it was a Mickey Christmas or something. Not important. Um <laughs> But no, this is this film was very, very influential for me as a child. Um, I love the history behind it as well. Um, it's just, this is a film that came out during the Disney Dark Ages. And I think a, a something that's very important to talk about with this film, moving down just the story, is, is this is the film, in my opinion, that saved Disney, that brought into the Disney Renaissance. Because up until basically this film, Disney just kept on having massive failure after failure. Black Cauldron 1985 is a big offender of that, which is a great film, but it was not very successful and and this is the film that actually started to get disney out of the hole that led them to be able to move on to other things so in some ways i feel like this is kind of like the forgotten hero in disney lore it's also a film that would never exist in current disney in in current disney world which is why i feel like it's completely forgotten about it's never brought up or even shown in any of their advertisements or their disney parks which i visit as much as i can and all that stuff it just it doesn't exist and it's because it's very risque it's it's very dark it's very um it it touches on a lot of things that's almost horror aspect in some ways it's also incredibly british um and growing up with a very (laughs) So I, I, I'm very much a British descent. My grandmother was an actual British aristocracy when she came to the U.S. and everything because my grandfather. So I grew up in that culture a lot, and I think that's also why I love this film. Um, but I, I, I can't recommend this film enough, and I just I love this film so much. It's very clever. Um, it's got theme music that whenever I think of adventure kind of theme music – just look it up. If you've not seen this film, just look up at least the soundtrack and listen to like the London chase scene and stuff. It's just, it's so well done. The music's great. And then the last thing I'll say about this film is this is actually the, one of the first films that Disney did that implemented a CGI with traditional animation that we see all over the place. Like going back to tiny E, right? This is one of the first films to do it where you've got those CGI scenes with traditional animation interspersed. And I think that's really neat. Yeah, um, I remember seeing this film when I was little, but the only two parts in this film I actually remember is the Radigan um, uh, musical number. Yeah, which is and, great. Yeah, it's great. and the clock tower final and fight And that's scene. the animation one yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah, that's that. That was amazing. Unfortunately, I don't remember anything else about the film. Yeah, I'm I'm hard pressed to remember this film in depth as well. But I I had a lot of the older animation Disney movies growing up. And I, I think, I think I compared the the this movie to another one, and I watched this one and the Rescuers in the same night. The and Rescuers I, is and I one. and I ended up loving the Rescuers just a little bit more. The Rescuers is one of my favorite classic or the nineteen seventy version or the Australian nineteen ninety two version. 
Because there's 70s. two rescuers, the 70s. Yes, the okay. 70s The one. bog one. Yeah. I, I just used the word classicer. So <clears throat> Fair. Classicer. Um, but, yeah, I, I would love to revisit The Great Mouse Detective uh, with you at some point. Because I, sure. I, I, I only remember watching it the one time because I was, you know, a child. And I'm like, The Rescuers is just... I, got glued to that one so Ooh. i would love to go back and revisit we should watch that on a saturday morning in our pajamas eating general mills cereal you're just stuck down. on that cereal right now and i love it i'm, I'm <laughs> totally down for it i'm down i'm down for that well it's funny you mentioned the rescuers too because you actually had mentioned this to me jacob when i was talking about this because i was trying to pick behind the scenes for everyone who's listening is i was trying to pick a kid's film and and i had three films to pick from and jacob when i read them out to me he goes wow you just had an obsession with mice when you were a kid and i was like i never realized that because i had um american tale 2 five goes west which is a mouse film i had a great mouse detective and then i had um what was the other film that i was thinking of doing as another mouse film it was the rescuers the rescuers yeah, yeah because i grew up watching both of the rescuers versions and and i agree the rescuers both of them are a little bit more kid friendly than great mouse detective it's a very it's a much darker film um, but they're all great, and I love the rest of okay. too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No shade. No shade against the Great Mouse Detective. Yeah. I just yeah. resonated a little bit better with the Rescuers. And that's totally yeah. understandable. Um, all right. We did it. We did it. Yeah. This was our longest episode of anything to date, I think. Wow. Oh, I believe our double feature. Jeez. I, th- I don't remember how long the double feature was. We're about an hour and two-ish minutes into, yeah, this into this one. Um, so... Thank you for listening to both of these. Um, next time you hear us, we will be talking about our first film for season two, which I will reiterate just for you know purposes. It is going to be Cellular from 2004. Um, so if you would like to go and watch that one, and maybe you can you know get fresh thoughts with us or what get have fresh. you. But the next time that you will hear from us, we will be officially starting season two. Yeah. Um, and thank you so much for listening so far, and thank you for listening to our little special, as Not we call it. Ejecting these rejects. Yes. Woo. See y'all next time, folks. Woo.